So we've been doing a home improvement thing. This is the last one. We'll go to something else after this. But the last one, I decided we need to tag on one for singles. And that's not because singles are just a tag on thought. But I got to tell you, sometimes in the church, we lose sight of this particular population of people. And there's a simple reason for that. Elders, in order to be elders, have to be married. Boy, that was a chorus. And they have families, right? They even have to have kids. So there's the family. And so deacons to be deacons have to be married and have families. So everybody's family oriented, right? And then no one hires a preacher who's not married. It just doesn't have even youth ministers. You don't hire a youth minister. That's why a lot of them run out and get married so they can have a job. You know, I, I don't know. But so, so all these people who are working for the church and kind of setting the pace and all that stuff for what the church, they're all married with family concerns and they lose sight sometimes that there's an awful lot of single people not married who have concerns a little bit different than married people do. So if you're single or you're single again, what kind of role should you play in the church? And what does the church have to say to you? In, uh, in the spring of 2017, for the first time in history in the United States, there were more singles than married people. It's really tilting that way because people are staying single longer and some people are staying single forever. They're making that choice for a longer period of time. So let me just have a show of hands. If you are single, raise your hand. It's okay. Just raise your hand. Paul's taking notes, but ignore him for a minute. So, so, hold up your hand real high. I want to see real, lots of single people. There's a large population of single people here, and we don't need to lose sight of you. And we don't need to treat you like you're just not, you're not, uh, the family concern doesn't shine its light on you. That's not true. Now, if you look at Scripture and say, what does Scripture specifically have to say to singles, you might come to the conclusion that there's not a lot said about singles in there. We're going to look at the passage that really deals with that in a, in a few minutes, but there's a lot of Scripture that doesn't apply to particular married single people. It applies to everybody, which means it applies to singles. Things like God so loved the world, He gave His only Son for you. Does that apply to single people? Of course it does. There should have been a thousand amens and there wasn't. Shame on you. Okay, right? So repent and be baptized. Every one of you, singles included, if you want forgiveness of sins. Is that true? Yes, that's true. That's to singles, right? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You need to be giving your life to God in service. Is that true of single people? Yes, it is. And everything else that's said here. You belong to the body of Christ and you have a role you have a task. You have a function that's very important to the body. That's true. You need to use your gift to build up the church. Very true. All this is single stuff. But I've got two messages this morning. Every one of these have only had one. But in this particular one, for singles, there's two. That's because the first message goes to the church. And here's the message to the church. We need to assimilate single people in the work of the church. Valley View does a pretty decent job of this. But keep in mind, single people are not all single waiting for and longing for and just getting ready for being married. Right? Singleness is not the ultimate destiny of a single person in here. Isn't that true? You know what doesn't exist in marriage? exist in marriage. You know what doesn't exist in heaven? Marriage. 
So single people are already more heavenly minded than married people are. Isn't that right? They're already ready for heaven, right? And guess who wasn't married? Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, single people are more like Jesus than you married people are. Yeah. And here's what Kathy Calhoun tells me as she's leaving early service. You know why Mayberry was so wonderful? Nobody was married. (laughs) And I got to thinking, that's true. There's nobody married in Mayberry. So you got married and you should feel the stirring. Because it's over for you, right? It's it's just you're a little more distant, right? Uh, So all these things, all this. And so today, what I want to do is I'm going to pit Paul the Elder. This is for you college people. You might as well be broken in right now. Okay, so Paul the Elder versus Paul the Apostle. Paul the Elder says, everybody needs to be married and I need to fix them up. That's what Paul the Elder says. He drives around selling industrial supplies, for those of you who don't know, which gives him lots of time on the road with nothing to do except think of who he can fix up with another and call around and try to arrange things. That's Paul the elder. Paul the apostle, on the other hand, says, you know what, I wish everybody was single. Now, this is our line of authority here. Who is more authoritative in the church, Paul the elder or Paul the apostle? Thank you. I was afraid somebody would answer this wrong. It's Paul the Apostle. And so he knows. It's, but here's the deal. Paul also knows. Paul Wallace also knows the same thing Paul the Apostle does is not many people will choose that route. And so what he's saying is, let's help people find you. So I'm going to tell you, you are, if you come to Valley View, you are being open to the matchmaking services. He's the matchmaking elder. That's the role under which he, or which he, he serves under. And so that's okay. He loves you. And so he's going to find you somebody good for you, or at least attempt it. But here is the challenge of singleness. And this is what scripture just comes out and bears witness to. First of all, the sexual purity challenge. Our world is so sexually charged, they cannot conceive that anybody can be whole and happy without a sexually active life. The world can't conceive of it. And they're pushing it on you all the time. And so to live a single life can be very challenging this way. There is no celibacy gift. A lot of people will say that, that there are some people with a gift of it that God has just taken that temptation away. That is not true. There is no gift for that. There's no marriage gift that makes it easy in marriage either. Your sexual purity is a command of Scripture. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it takes your obedience, and there's no miraculous gift that makes it easy. I just want you to know that. The second challenge is the loneliness challenge. Day one of human nature, human beings living on the earth, God says, it's just not good for you to be alone. That loneliness, that desire for companionship is a big deal. Marriage isn't the only solution to the loneliness problem. There's where the church comes in. There are single people in this world living their lives largely alone who need to find community. They need to find a place to belong, to be in family. And so for some of them, they have a great circle of friends. But I'm going to tell you this. I want to say this loud and clear to single people. It is a whole lot better to find your companionship in the church than in a singles bar somewhere. Let me say that again. It's a whole lot easier 
not easier. It's a whole lot better to find companionship in the church than it is in a singles bar somewhere. We have your best, best life and choices in mind for you. But the church has to make room for that. And we need to provide opportunity for that. Your verse, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a test on this, okay? I'm going to challenge you in this. Let no one, Timothy is young and he's unmarried. Let no one despise you because you're young. Look down on you, underestimate you, all that. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Okay, these are five categories where he says you need to give attention to this and be a leader and set an example. But here's the interesting thing. Who does Timothy need to set the example for? Look at the verse. Is it for the outside unbeliever? Not according to this verse. Believers need to see you as a single young man setting the pace in your conduct, in your speech, in your life, in your faith, and in your purity. And I'm going to say this to singles. This church needs to see single Christian people living a real Christian life, giving us hope that there are people out there taking the faith seriously. We need that from you. So the church needs to find you a place. Message number two, one thing I'd say to singles is this. You belong in and to the family of God. This includes our college people. Yes, I know it's a bridge time and there's a four-year period of time you might be here. This church needs our college singles to function in the church. You are not here playing church for four years before you go on somewhere. You are not. You are to be at the center of a church. I say this to my kids when they went off to Searcy. Okay, you can church hop for a while trying to find your spot, but find a spot. Find a spot and become central to it. Become a functional part of it and let it be part of your growth and your maturity. You don't grow just by going to Harding. You grow by being part of a local church knowing what the body of Christ is supposed to do. That is the truth. And so there's never a time in your life when that's not appropriate. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I've already corrected the church a little bit, but I need to correct singles some in saying this. You belong to the church. This is a place for you. Your skills, your characteristics are ideal in blessing the work of the church. Don't think that you're a free agent able to roam wherever you want to, and I can come when I want to and fly out when I want to. Make yourself a significant role here. I say this to singles. This no strings attached, I'm free to do what I want, is not supposed to characterize you. You are in this family and a part of it, and you find that place. So here's the verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is where we have the one concentrated discussion of singleness. So I want you to be free from anxieties. The issue Paul's talking about in 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, something about, we're not sure what it is, but the first century world of Corinth was so full of tension and strife. I don't know if it was a, some people say it was a huge famine for years. Some people say it's just some kind of turmoil. But he said, people are anxious right now. Does that sound like America right now? 
anxious. We're really anxious. And so he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man, the single unmarried man, is anxious about his relationship with God, the things of the Lord. How can I keep myself in a God-pleasing state? That's what the single man's single devotion is to, according to Paul. The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. If you are a married person in here, you have to burden yourself with how you keep that woman happy. Yeah, amen. It's the truth. Even Paul the Apostle says it. You have to worry about how keeping myself straight, keeping my life clean, keeping myself away from the blemishes of the world. But I've also got to look after this little lady right here and keep her happy. Because if mama ain't happy, there ain't nobody happy. So I've got to, so your mind is divided. There's a divided mind here, right? The married man is anxious about worldly things, okay? His interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman, this isn't just men, women who are single, Anxious about the things of the Lord, how can I stay holy and pure in body and in mind? But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How can I keep this guy happy? And all of a sudden, I've got split loyalty. And every one of your children's the same way. You give birth to children, you are giving birth to trouble for your life. It's true. Now, I don't mean that negatively. I'm saying you've got, the more children you have, the more concern and worry and anxiety and work that you're putting on yourself. And if there's no amen here, you are nuts. It's an amen to people, right? He says singleness gives you an opportunity for an undivided devotion to God. Now, I don't know. Jesus mentions this too, Matthew 19. There are people for the sake of the kingdom who renounce marriage. I don't know many people who are single because they're, re- they're renouncing marriage for the sake of God. I don't know many people like that. But there are a lot of people who stay single for any number of reasons, and they keep themselves just as busy and just as occupied and just as full of anxiety as anyone else. But the opportunity is there. It's the potential. And what he's saying is, Let's keep as much a devotion to God as we can. And even married people are obligated to do that with all the challenges. You know this from su- the superhero genre of movies. you got Superman and Spider-Man and, and Ant-Man and all these other people. And these, but the thing is, like, Spider-Man refused to really get married, even though he really liked this girl. Why? Because it opened him up to weakness, because the main enemy he's fighting could come after the people he loves, which makes him more exposed than ever before. And, and we understand this, and Paul understands this, and he says, I would prefer you stay single and focus on God, but not everybody can. And we know that's true. Not everybody can, but the potential is here for a single person to be more flexible, to have more time, and to have more attention that he can give to the, the that needs to be done. Let me give you some examples. Here's some Acts chapter 21. The next day, this is Paul and Luke's traveling with him. We departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. They had the gift of prophecy and they used it to bless the church and they weren't married. That won't end if they do get married, but what it seems to say is they had this gift and they were able to use it freely. Romans chapter 16, another woman. 
I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that, we may, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Help her in whatever she may need from you. She's been a patron of many and of myself as well. She's a great worker in the church. She goes on the missions, including delivering this letter of Romans to the church in Rome. And so she has the freedom of time to do that. A single woman serving in great, mighty ways became invaluable to the church. First Timothy chapter 5 talks about the church looking after widows, single women who do not have a husband or a son or kids to support them. And so the church takes care of them. And you know in Acts 6, a picture of this. But in 1 Timothy, when Paul's talking about this, he says, but now listen, if you, if you, are, if you have family members, especially to the single woman, he says, if you have family members who are widows, take care of them so the church can, can major in helping the ones that really need the help. We have people here doing this incredible, incredible ministry. I'll mention just one of them, Annette Stokes. Hasn't chosen not to be married, but she's taking care of her mom. Now she has cancer and we're all concerned about that, but she's done this amazing thing all her life of taking care of her mama. And I'm going to tell you this, that is a ministry of the church that is being done by somebody in our midst that needs to be held in high esteem. It's an amazing thing. We just don't see it every day. And it's not on the bulletin, right? We don't put her name on the bulletin, but that is a big deal. We think of, amaz- of these, single, these characters who are single, Daniel, Naomi, Paul. A couple weeks ago, I told you that we're going to take the young people around and sing to encourage some of our older folks. And I said, we're going to go to the mayor, mayor and sing to the mayor and everybody's thinking oh I know who that is when you go into the mayor's office I'm not talking about the little old Jonesboro mayor I'm not talking about him I'm talking to the mayor of Southwind Heights are you aware who the mayor of Southwind Heights is anybody know who runs that place anybody staring over here at somebody this woman is one of the most powerful individuals around here she runs an independent living facility She lives there, she cannot see, she's never married, but she has nieces that look after her beautifully, and she has been so incredibly important to the church in West Memphis. I hear stories even this morning of the things she did that helped that church. And now she's here, she cannot see, it just doesn't stop anything. So when you go to Southwind Heights, we're gonna go there in a couple of days early, like you're supposed to, I was going to go and say, we're bringing a bunch of young people in here to sing. And I just want to know what we need to do. What are the precautions, the mask and the temperatures and all that? Got all that. And she said, oh, well, don't worry about that. We already know. And I said, well, how did you know? Well, Alfreda Davis told us. I said, she's already talked about, yeah, we're all ready for you. I said, how did she know to do that? She said, she runs this place. I didn't say it. The administrator said it. But it's not just that. Now, that's impressive enough, but you're saying, how's that a ministry of the church? Here's how it becomes that way. A few months ago, Talmadge Fields passed away. Benita's living by herself. She no longer can live by herself, so they moved her in over there, and she's totally worried, as you would be. What's this going to be like? Her living arrangement's totally disrupted. Moving into a place where she doesn't know a soul. And there's Alfreda Davis, who knows she's coming. 
And she's been like her tour guide. When the key didn't work in the door, and what am I going to do? Alfredo took charge of it and had that thing fixed. Those people out there fear Alfreda Davis. That which she is doing is an incredible ministry, and it's done by a single lady with a sense of obligation to her spiritual family. That's what we're talking about. That is here in our number. And she's not the only one. Katie Rothy does a tireless job, and she has for years, largely thankless. I mean, we'll say something to them every once in a while, but how does she put that creativity and energy into the life and education of our young people? So on Sunday nights, you get to come in here and worship and not have to worry about it, but, but, and other times too. How does she do that? She's single. I don't know if she'll ever want to be married or not. She ain't waiting around for no man. She's going to serve right now. That's what we're talking about. There are others like this. You know, it may require marriage to be a deacon, but you don't have to be a deacon to serve. Jamie Lawson does this amazing job when he leads a prayer, does the Lord's Supper, and he puts time into it or a class. He puts effort into it. He looks after his dad who needs somebody just every once in a while. And he's doing this amazing thing, and I, I, I think he should be honored. Lisa Horton's another one like this. Listen, during that the pandemic and maybe even still now there are some people who don't know the technology and can't handle that and so she endures the sermon on Sunday morning she goes home or goes somewhere and eats lunch and then she calls up some people and she listens to it again through her phone so they can hear it is that not a burdensome ministry y'all hear what I'm saying she's got to hear the sermon twice is that not a burdensome ministry you guys are a tough crowd. And she does it, and she's generous to people. I've been the beneficiary of her generosity many times. I, what kind of a ministry? Is, she doesn't have to have a name or a title. She's just doing the job. Megan Reynolds, who, as a single woman, decided she didn't know if she'd ever meet the right person for her, but she still wanted to influence the life of a child, and she adopts Xander. She's doing a great job of giving him an influence he never would have had otherwise. If, there, if that's not a ministry, that, I don't know what you are calling a ministry. And she's a single woman. Ann Jones did this for years. But anybody came in who'd lost a spouse and they were single, older lady particularly, they would soon be in this club of people who there's this crowd of people that go out and eat somewhere after church. There are others that have taken up this mantle since then, but it's amazing. Shirley Simpson, who keeps up with all the stuff we do here, is everybody's grandmother and just loves people and it's important. And then the elders will talk about this one particular single lady. She's the topic of uh, some time in the elders meeting sometimes not for discipline but because dot bird left another message on somebody's voicemail singing the praises of these elders and these preachers and sends them a beautiful card every once in a while and just lets us know uh, that, that that she's out there and she's appreciating the ministry that's here and she may not physically be here but she's as much a part of this as you and i are becky mulholland Gary James has this annoying trait. 
just so, Gary, I see you, so I know, I know you're hearing me. He'll read the bulletin and point out every little grammatical error. It's really kind of obnoxious. But he'll read that, and you know, he's an ex-government employee, as if the government doesn't ever make mistakes. But anyway, so as, you, as, you, uh, as he reads that, he just can't stand it, and so he has to call it in, right? It's like every Monday we used to get the Gary James call of what other little things went wrong in the bulletin, right? So we decided to fix this. Actually, I don't know that we decided this, but Becky Mulholland, who comes to the early service, steps in, and every Thursday she's up here correcting the bulletin. Not just LaVon, she's no English major, and neither am I. But she corrects my bulletin, Article 2, and it comes out, and we haven't had a Gary uh, James call in two years. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. Because this lady decides we're going to, and then she invites the staff to her house a couple times a year for lunch. This, she just decides, I'm not just going to come to church. I don't just want to come and sit there. I, I want to be a part, and I want to feel a sense of belonging. Those opportunities are there. But there are college people doing this, too driving the bus for a couple of youth events this summer and up pops Courtney and I'm thinking what does a college student Courtney where are you yeah she's scared to death but she's over here beautiful young lady and I saw her on the bus what are you doing here I just heard about this and I wanted to come help who does that who does that there might be some things that we don't even do that we need to do that single people could do. Like, for instance, single people or single again people know more about the effects of divorce than anybody. If we need a group for that, why is there's a spot for somebody or grief for those who've been through that? Here's what I know is that it's important for people not just to come to church or be on the roll, but to feel a part. God created the church with this express purpose of keeping you apart, keeping you a part of the body and being a sense of belonging so that it would sustain you until we get final home, right? So you're baptized, your sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit comes into your life to empower you, but he also puts you into a community. He adds you to a church instantly so that you will have a sense of belonging. But it, listen, it's a two-way street. The church can provide all sorts of opportunities, but you got to do them. You got to show up for them and you got to agree to be a part of them. It does no good for us to offer stuff, but you simply get yourself too busy with other things to be a part. And then you wonder, why do I not feel a part? Church has an obligation, but so do you. So do you. Take advantage of these things. Get involved. Find a role. Fulfill it. We need teachers all the time. And listen, I, my son, it's the weirdest thing when he called me up and he said he and his girlfriend were going to teach fourth grade class, or four-year-olds, at college church one semester. College church? What are you doing that for? You've never taught a class. But I caught myself. What a great thing. Use college people for that. The greatest advice I can give to single people If you're open to being married, here's what you need to do. Become an active participant in the work of the church. And you will find another active participant in the work of the church who has the attributes you're looking for, and that's how you will find them. 
When I was uh, when I was at CRC and uh, look, you know, that's the time where you start looking around for a spouse. I wasn't looking for somebody who's a church member. I know for a lot of people that's enough. I was looking for somebody who was in it. Because you know what? I plan to serve my life in it, not just a part of it or not by now. I wanted somebody in it. And so I found uh, Melissa. So she was at Burger King, as you know. She looked great in the Burger King uniform. That helped a whole lot. But the, the other thing is, she was at the ASU Student Center at the time, and she was an, a constant participant, going all the time to that. Uh, her parents were in, he was an elder at 7th and Muller, and so she was in on that all the time. She loved the church. And she was in there digging into it. And I thought, that's the kind of person. And the way you know it is when you dig in and you find them digging in with you. That's how you find. Don't, don't try to meet somebody who doesn't really care much about the church and then be surprised later when they don't seem to care much about the church. But I know how hard that is. If you're a single person and you have no interest or desire to ever marry again, still, the best way to develop yourself is to find a role in the church, dig in and be a part. And you'll find great companionship in that, cert, that, that whole ministry. So what I'm saying is, if you're single, you're part of this body. Now act like it. Dig in. Be a part of it. Learn who the people are. And, and serve and develop your own maturity and growth. That's the best thing you can do you're a single person in fact that's the best thing you can do no matter who you are that's the one thing I would say to to single people when it comes to uh, focusing on family issues this morning has not been one of those lessons where you say we've talked about Jesus and now you need to name Jesus Lord of your life but it is it is a family of people who have given their allegiance to Christ. That's what we're talking about and how you can be the most vibrant part of that that you can. And this morning we serve a God who offered his son on the cross for us. We're about to enter a time of communion. And we remember that God and how he gave up his son for us. And that's worthy of us bowing our knee to King Jesus and saying, whatever you call me to do, I will do. And that means changing my life and also getting involved with your family. And this morning, if for whatever reason you have just refrained from naming Jesus your king, this morning you have another opportunity right now to confess your sin, to, to name Jesus Lord and be immersed in the waters of baptism and rise to walk a new life. That's your opportunity. And if you've done that and drifted off, done your own thing, this morning you have a chance to come back. And I hope you'll take up the opportunity as we stand and as we sing to encourage that.